أعوذ بالله السميع العليم من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم وصلى الله على محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم وبعد فإن أصدق الحديث كلام الله وخير الحجي هدى محمد صلى الله عليه وآله وسلم وشر الأمور مرساتها وكل موتسة بلعة وكل بلعة دلالة وكل دلالة في النار وياك السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته Uh, first of all, I would want to say that last week when we had our sitting and a week before, there were compilations of many questions. We had too many questions that brothers gathered. So when I went home, I saw the questions with me were about 45. You understand? So what I did was to write them, and I felt probably if we delay in answering them, some people might want the answers and things like that. Even though, like I was telling the Amir, there were questions that people were asking, which I feel that they were being hasty, because we will come to them as we go through the book. And yet some of the questions are large number of the questions have relationship with the ahadiths that we have uh, treated. So I felt, let me attempt to answer some of those questions. And uh, if time will allow, we have a hadith. And if not, we will uh, have the hadith next week, inshallah. Uh, number two, I will want to say that here we are all students of knowledge. Is that not so? So as we attempt to answer questions, if for one reason or the other, anybody feels that he has additional uh, explanations to give, we should feel free. And uh, if we feel that some of the questions or the answers that were attempted, we feel there are question marks to some of them. We could still feel free to talk. So that we have a form of symbiotic uh, uh, understanding. Uh, some of the questions, actually, it will seem that some of us sit. Probably we are not very attentive to the class. So you still find some questions are asked which have been dealt with during the course of uh, explanation. Like somebody asks, the first question here is somebody asks about excessive passing of air. You know, the liberation at Yewenchin Waki. You understand? So he passes air every time because you eat too much beans. So you see, so we had treated the questions of excessive gas while we were co-treating the uh, class. So I felt that we should be attentive when we are in the class so that we don't repeat questions that have already been addressed. You understand? Um, anybody who has excessive air, when you pass too much air, co, what scholars say is uh, you just uh, perform one ablution. If you are married to passing of air, you have become husbands and wives, ko? like the Maliki say, al-mustanke berre, 
So they say you just perform one ablution and you don't give a damn about all the other gases that you pass. Cool? You are just like the mustahada. But they say that you cannot, uh, since you pass too much air, you know, if we say you have to be repeating ablution, repeating ablution, you know, ما جعل الله عليكم في الدين من حرج الله تعالى does not intend difficulties for you in the deen يريد الله بكم اليسر ولا يريد بكم العسر so Allah Ta'ala intends ease for you in the deen so because of that if you have excessive air every time you just perform one ablution and then you continue to pray it's understood the only that they say that if you just like the hukm of al-mustahada which uh, Hamna bint Jash when she came to the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam the advice with the Prophet sallallahu gave her so you cannot uh, perform two prayers at their separate times except that you renew your ablution but then you can combine two or more prayers at the same time with one ablution you don't give a damn about all other gases. And to say that you have to renew ablution thrice before you can continue. I have not read any authentic narration from the Prophet to that end. Are you understanding me? Uh-huh. So we should understand. If you are, you have excessive, uh, excessive air, you pass air too much, or there are people who are aged. They cannot hold urine. We talked about them, cool? So you see some of them have bottles in their pockets that the urine collect into. So all these people, they perform ablution once and then they continue with their prayers. It's understood. Somebody asked, based on the hadith that a Muslim is not impure, can a Muslim in general sexual defilement do all acts of ibadah except the salah that since we say and I'm not the one that say that is the hadith go? okay it is the hadith that says innal muslim la yanjus our innal mu'min la yanjus that the prophet said al mu'min our muslim la yanjus a muslim or a, a mu'min is not impure so he's asking based on this that can you do all acts of ibadah except the salah? What can we say? Hmm? Now you said yes. yes. What's what's your hujah for that? Now, what is the verse of the Quran? Now, that that what? So far as you are just in genuine condition, in Surah Al-Waqiyah, that you can do all except the prayer. You have not answered any question. What can we say? 
all acts of nah. Thank you. You can't do all because you need to be pure, like tawaf. Now, nah. and what? You can't remember, but you know them. What's the evidence that you cannot do tawaf except impurity? That now. Thank you so much. You say, if Ali kullama yaf'aluhu al-hajj ghayra an la tatufi bil bayt. And in another narration I say, wala tusalli. Do all the things that a pilgrim does, or the pilgrims do, except that you don't circumvent the house, and uh, you also don't pray. Now, any other? Aside the tawaf, we are all seated in the mosque here. Can a sexually defiled person who wants to hear this class, who is interested in this class, can he come in and sit down to listen to the class? Or must he be outside? And can a lady who is sexually defiled or immenses can she come into the class, into the mosque, in spite of the fact that she is menstruating? Can a sexually defiled person read the Quran, recite the Quran? Can a sexually defiled person hold the Quran? Are we, are we following? I want to believe that this is what the person is trying to ask. Is that not so? So what can we say with regards to all these? Coming into the mosque, reciting the Quran, and holding the Quran. You see, he said in Surah Al-Waqi'ah, based on what the scholars say, that, إِنَّهُ لَقُرْآنٌ كَرِيمٌ فِي كِتَابٍ مَكْنُونٌ لَا يَمَسُّهُ إِلَّا الْمُطَهَّرُونَ Right? لا يمسه إلا المطهرون. Nobody touches the the what? Huh? The what? The Quran? Is it the Quran? Huh? It is what? It's the one Mahfuz. Why? هناك خلاف بين العلماء بين القوفيين والبصريين إلى أن الضمير يعود إلى الأقرب المذكور أو إلى 
المذكور Do you understand it? Sometimes you say, the Damir, you say, إِنَّهُ لَقُرْآنٌ كَرِيمٌ That is the Qur'an, the honored. في كتابين, the Qur'an is in a book. Maknoon, that has been confined. لا يَمَسُّهُ Nobody touches that book. Are you understanding me? إِلَّا المتحرون, Except those who have been purified. Not those who are pure. Those who have been purified. They are not the ones that purify themselves. But they have been purified. Those are who? Those are the angels. So the angels are the only ones who touch the law al-ma'fuz. That book in which the Quran is enclosed in. Are you understand me? And the book in which the Quran is enclosed in is the law al-ma'fuz. So nobody touches the law al-ma'fuz except the angels who have been purified by who? By Allah. So is there any evidence in that that one who is sexually defiled or impure, if we so put it, cannot touch the Quran? It's not? There's no evidence in that. But yet there are a good majority of Al-Mufassirun that said that that Damir Ya'udu ila Al-Quran. Are you understanding me? That the pronoun there goes back to the Quran, that nobody touches the Quran except the pure. Are we following? Then scholars say, okay, if we say nobody touches the Quran except the pure, it will mean nobody touches the Quran except the believers. Are we following me? Because the believers are the ones that are pure. And the Quran has told you, Ya ayu alladina amanu innamal mushrikun najisun. So the mushrik, they are the ones that are najis, they are impure, and they are the ones that cannot touch the Quran. But the believer, since he is always pure, it means he can always touch the Quran. Are we following? This is a question. Is that, is that what you want to say too? Now I'm asking, is that what you want to say? Huh? Is that what you want to say? You only want to say that it is the law of Mahfuz. Cool? Yet there are a great majority of scholars who have the opinion that that damir ya'udu ila al-Qur'an. But even if it goes to the Qur'an, it means the people who taught the Qur'an are the believers in whatever state they are. It's understood? But yet there are ahadiths. Are you understanding me? Of the Prophet Muhammad wasallam that have been narrated. Imam al-Tirmizi narrates a hadith from Ali ibn Abi Talib that once Ali ibn Abi Talib said the Prophet Muhammad performed ablution for them and after performing ablution then the Prophet recited the Quran. Then the Prophet said it is with this that you can recite the Quran. And if not, you can't recite the Quran even if it's an ayah. You don't recite the Quran. Are you understanding me? Are we following me? So in that regard, this is with regards to recitation. Right? Now again, the scholars will say that you cannot touch the Quran when you are sexually defiled 
or in the state of uh, menstruation. They rely on implied understandings of uh, the text and also some narrations from the companions of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam. They say Salman al-Farisi, we all know Salman al-Farisi, we know him, that he was once traveling with some of his students at Tabi'un. Oh? And then he went to ease himself. Are we following? And then, when he came back after having eased himself, then his students gave him a container to perform ablution. Are we following? They gave him a container of water to perform ablution. Then he said, why? Is it time for prayer? They said, no, it is not time for prayer. But we might ask you some questions from the Quran. Are we following me? Then Salman said, okay, you can ask. Ask me. After all, I'm not going to touch it. After all, I'm not going to touch it. I'm only going to recite it. So they imply from the question or from the answer given by Salman al-Farisi that what Salman al-Farisi is saying is that if he were to touch the Quran, he would have performed ablution. But the sins, he was not going to touch the Quran, he was only going to recite it, then there is no need he performs ablution. Are you understanding me? That is to say, purity is not a condition for the recitation of the Quran, but purity will be a condition for touching the Quran. Aside this ayah of the Quran that says, La yamassuhu illa al-mutahharun. Then they say, this is an understanding from Salman al-Farisi that if you want to touch the Qur'an, you have to be pure. Are we following? But yet, scholars say that the hadith which brother just quoted for us, that the Prophet said to Aisha, Aisha said, Lama, when they were going for Hajj, then Aisha said, when we got to a place called Sarifa, very close to Mecca, on our way from Medina, I started my menses. And then the Prophet entered unto me. Then he saw me crying. Then the Prophet said, Nafisti? Are you immense? Then I said, yes. Then the Prophet said, go and take the ritual bath. Are you understanding me? For what? For entering the state of uh, Ihram. Go and take the ritual bath, enter the state of Ihram, go into Mecca, and do everything that a pilgrim does. Except that you do not circumvallate the house, and you do not pray. Now scholars say that the pilgrim, when he goes for Hajj, he recites the Quran, doesn't he? Does he recite the Quran? Huh? Does he touch the Quran? 
or he doesn't touch the Quran? Does he enter into the mosque? He enters the mosque. The, the biggest mosque on earth. Masjid al-Haram. In Mecca, he enters. So it is with these that some scholars argue that if the Prophet will tell Aisha to do everything that a pilgrim does except that she does not circumvallate the house and she does not pray, it means that she could touch the Quran, she could enter into the mosque, she could uh, recite the Quran. She could do all of these. Are we following me? We are following me. Now again, when you go to your Bulug al-Maram, in Kitab al-Masajid, Anganiko, in Kitab al-Masajid, you see that Ibn Haral al-Asqalani narrates the hadith from Aisha radiallahu anha, that there was a woman, a black woman, who accepted Islam, and she was thrown out of her clan. And then she came to Medina to the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and the Prophet housed her, housed her in the in the mosque, in his own mosque. Are you understanding me? She was living in the mosque of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Now, Ibn Hazm al-Andalusi, are we following me? He says, if the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam will house this woman inside the mosque. Are you understanding me? And the Prophet had told Aisha, when Aisha was menstruating, that this is something that Allah Ta'ala has written, has ordained on all women of Eve. That all women of Eve is ordained that they should do what? They menstruate. If a woman would not menstruate, it means she's sick. Are you understanding me? If a woman does not menstruate, she's what? She's abnormal. Are we following me? It is an abnormality. It is a sickness. So it is not good for anybody to say that Fatima radiallahu anha, the daughter of the Prophet, never menstruated. You are telling us that Fatima, she's an abnormal woman. She's abnormal because what is normal is for humans, as a, as a woman, it is normal that they should do what? They should menstruate. And that's what the Prophet said. The Prophet said, some, this is something that Allah Ta'ala has ordained on all women. So Ibn Hazm al-Asqalani, uh, sorry, Ibn Hazm al-Andalusi says, that if this woman will be given a house in the mosque of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa she's a woman, so naturally she should do what? She should menstruate. And that there is no narration that says that when she is menstruating, I'm going to another point again, go. That if she is menstruating, there's no narration that says that she leaves the mosque of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Such that Aisha says that this woman lives in the, in, in, in the mosque and sometimes she enters into the room of Aisha, just with her, discusses with her, then goes back to the mosque. Our house was in the mosque of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. And nobody said that when she is menstruating, she leaves the mosque. So this is another point to say that there is no, there is probably no authentic narration that says that a menstruating woman should leave the mosque when she is menstruating. But yet, Umm Salama narrates, and Aisha also narrates, 
that the Prophet Muhammad says, I do not make the mosque lawful for any woman that is menstruating and for any person that is sexually defiled. This is a hadith. What will we say with regards to the hadith? Huh? We don't know the hadith. Are we still doing the Bulugul Maram in this mosque? Are we still doing it? We have stopped it. So we will come to it in the, in the Bulugul Maram. This hadith apart. Scholars also say that the Quran says the Quran tells us that La Takrabu Swala wa antum sukara ko hatta ta'lamu ma taqulun wala junuban illa abiri sabilin hatta taktasilu they say that the quran says you should not come near prayer you should not come near prayer when you are intoxicated until you know what you are saying anganiko that was before the prohibition of our intoxicants then the Quran further says, and then you should not also not come near prayer when you are sexually defiled. Except, illa abir sabilim. What is abir sabil? Huh? The wayfarer. Another name again. Another meaning. Huh? A passerby. Somebody who is passing by the mosque. Somebody who is doing what? Passing by the mosque. So they say, if the Quran will say, don't come to the mosque, except if you are passing through, not sitting, then it means that when you are sexually defiled, you should not do what? You should not sit in the mosque. If you are menstruating, you should not sit in, in the mosque. But then, like Imam Amr ibn Hanbal says, and like you rightly said, this does not mean passerby. It means wayfarer, travelers. If you are a traveler, and you become sexually defiled, are you understanding me? Then the Quran says you can enter the mosque when you have done the tayammum, if there is no water. You can enter the mosque with the tayammum. Are you understanding me? Then Ibn Arabi, who wrote Ajamili Akamil Quran, he says this hadith, even if we say, okay, the majority of the scholars say if you are sexually defiled, you should not come to the mosque. He says it will mean don't come to the mosque for prayers if you are sexually defiled because you cannot pray with that sexual defilement until you purify yourself. Are we following? Again, scholars say that Sayyidat Aisha radiallahu anha when the Prophet asked her go and take my go and bring my what? My khumrah meaning the khumrah my carpet 
pray, praying mat. Are you understanding me? Go and get it for me in the mosque. What did Aisha say? Huh? What did she say? The other one person. What did said Aisha say? Huh? She said, I'm menstruating. And what did the prophet say? The prophet said, Inna haydataki laysat fiyadik. That your menses is not in your hand. Go and get the carpet for me. So she came into the mosque and she collected the carpet. Now what majority of scholars say is that Aisha had the understanding that since she is menstruating, she is not supposed to do what? Come into the mosque. Are we following? So where did she get that impression from? Where did she get that understanding from? Are we following? It means that there, are, there is that understanding among the salaf that if somebody is menstruating, she's not supposed to come into the mosque. This is the understanding she had. And that is why when the Prophet told her, go and get me my carpet, she said, I am menstruating. So since I am menstruating, I cannot come into the mosque. Are we following? So majority infer from our answer that a menstruating woman does not come into the mosque. Except if she wants to take something and not to see it. To take something and then leave. This is what they infer from her. But is it explicit? Is it direct to that point? Rather the prophet told her, your menses is not in your hand. That is, to, that is to say, the prophet is telling her that your menses cannot prevent you from entering the mosque. Are we following? Now all those points are points to say that there are understandings from the salaf. Are you understanding me? That somebody who is sexually defiled can recite the Quran. As you can see from Salman al-Farisi. There is understanding of the salaf that somebody who is sexually defiled can touch the Quran. Because they say there is no nas that is direct. Are you understanding me? That says you cannot touch the Quran. And what they used to say you cannot touch the Quran is la yamassuhu illal mutahharun. And they said that ayah is not referring to the Quran. And even if it is referring to the Quran, are you understanding me? It means nobody can touch the Quran except the pure. And the pure are the believers. Are we following? Since the mushriks, they are the impure. Then again, they say there is also no authenticness which is direct that says a sexually defiled person can also not enter the mosque. Are we following? But then, the narration of Umm Salam and Aisha that the Prophet said, Inni la uhillu al-masjid wa la junub. Are you understanding? Scholars say that hadith is not authentic. The hadith is what? It's weak. Are you understanding me? So if they say hadith is weak, and we have said here, that all ahadiths that are not authentic from the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu la yustashhaduna bi. You cannot use them as evidences. Are you understanding me? What you use as evidence are ahadiths that are authentic. 
so that you don't lie on the Prophet Muhammad And probably things that have brought about innovations in the deen is relying on ahadiths that are not authentic from the Prophet Muhammad Are we following? But all the same, I want to say, in spite of all these things that we have said, scholars have written books. Are you understanding me? On this issue that we are taking very light. Arguments of those who say women cannot, or impure, so to say, Muslims cannot do this, cannot do all acts of ibadah, and scholars that say you don't have evidences on that. Are you understanding me? If you go to Sayyid Fikr Sunnah, he wrote close to 50 pages of arguments and counter-arguments of scholars in this regard. Muhammad Nasruddin al-Albani in his Tamam al-Minna, he says, there is no authentic evidence which is direct and explicit and which is authentic to the Prophet Muhammad wasallam that says, are you understanding me? That a Muslim in whatever condition, are you understanding me? cannot do all acts of ibadah except if you have authentic evidence and the authentic evidence is just the salah and uh, the tawaf are we following me? all others you say you don't have evidence more so that Aisha said kana rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam yathkurullaha ala kulli ahyanihi so in whatever condition the prophet finds himself the Prophet does zikr. Are you understanding me? Zikr. And if you say the Prophet does zikr, zikr is uh, all encompassing. It takes in al askar just like it takes in the Quran. Are you understanding me? Because the Quran itself is what? Zikr. Because Allah says, Inna nahnu nazzalna zikra wa inna lahu lahafizun. Are we following? But in spite of all this, I want to say that if there are arguments and counter-arguments of scholars, a Muslim, a student of knowledge, should always follow what is the safest. Are you understanding me? Because the Prophet said, إِنَّ الْحَلَالَ بَيِّنْ وَالْحَرَامَ بَيِّنْ وَبَيْنَهُمَا أُمُورٌ مُشْتَبِهَاتٌ لَا يَعْلَمُهُنَّ كَثِيرٌ مِنَ النَّاسِ مَنِ so the best, if there are arguments like this, the best is for you to stay on the safest. Are you understanding me? Don't do all these things except that you are in a state of uh, purity until it becomes necessary. Until it becomes very necessary, there is nothing you can do and it is very very necessary that you do these things, then it is then that you should do them. But if you can avoid them, it is better you are pure before you do all these things. So as to avoid these uh, arguments and counter arguments of uh, scholars, you should always treat, try to stay on the safer side. More so that I read to you here in this mosque that Muhajir ibn Kumfuz as narrated by Abdullah ibn Umar, says that Muhajir ibn Kumfu said, I once passed by the Prophet, and the Prophet was urinating. Cool? And then I said the salam to the Prophet, and the Prophet did not do what? He did not answer the salam. This is salam. 
because the salam is among the names of Allah. As-salam. Ko? It's among the names of Allah. So, when he said, As-salamu alayka ya Rasulullah, the Prophet did not answer while he was urinating. And after the Prophet had finished urinating, the Prophet performed tayammum on the wall. He did the tayammum on the wall, then he said, Wa alaykum as-salam wa rahmatullah. Inni akra'u. An afkur Allah illa ala taharatin. Inni akra'u. I hate to. Are you understanding me? I dislike it. So I only do it under, under what? Necessity. Under jurors. But under normal circumstance, I hate to call Allah Ta'ala except that I'm in a state of uh, purity. So it's in that regard that I tell us that all those things, try and see. Don't say, ah, I bab wani hujja in gantachi the gawarim manzang Allah. Deche bazaamu shigama sallachi ba. Deche bazaamu tabak Qur'ani ba. Deche bazaamu yikharatim Qur'ani ba. Ah, akoda babu authentic, direct nusus. Are you understanding me? Because of these arguments of scholars from implied understandings of some texts, it is better for us to avoid them. Are we following me? This is the, this is the advice. This person say, can a female use stone for purification, and how? I want to say that all acts of ibadah, all acts of ibadah, ko. Since Allah say, وَمَا خَلَقْتُ الْجِنَّ وَالْإِنسَ إِلَّا لِيَعْبُدُونَ In all acts of ibadah, both Muslim men and women, Wallahi, we are all equal, except if there are evidences to show that a particular group of people have been exempted from a particular kind of ibadah. Are you understanding me? If there are no such evidences, then all Injunctions are for both men and women. Anganiko, the Prophet says, pray as you see me pray. The woman prays the way the Prophet prays. Swallu kamara There is no difference between the prayer of the man and the prayer of her, the woman. There is no difference between the wudu of the man and the wudu of the woman. There is no difference between the istinja, our istijmar of the woman or the man. The way the Quran, the, the Sharia says the man should use stone, that is how it is permissible for women to also use a stone. There is no any nas that exempts the woman from using the stones to purify herself. Are you understanding me? Just like Asma bint Yazid, when she went to the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam to ask the Prophet how does she purify herself from menses. Right? And the Prophet told her to take a cotton, cotton wool. You know cotton wool? The Prophet said, take cotton wool and, uh, uh, mix it with misk. Put misk to a fragrance. Are you understanding me? Then go and purify yourself from the menses. She said, How does a woman purify herself from Cutting wool with, uh, with mist, with fragrance. How can I do it? The Prophet said, Subhanallah, Taturina, yeah. Ah, Subhanallah, just don't purify yourself. This woman is asking me how. The Prophet said, Go and purify yourself. She said, How can I purify myself? I don't understand. The Prophet said, Subhanallah. <laughs> Go and purify yourself than Allah. 
you know. Because the Prophet does not want to mention before her how she is uh, to do it. Then say that Aisha who was there put her ears to the woman and said, biha asraddam. Are you understanding me? He said you should follow the traces of the blood without uh, cutting wool. Follow the traces and clean the traces of the blood from your privacy. This is what the Prophet is telling you. Are you understanding me? Before you take the ritual bath. So, follow the traces. You to follow the traces of the urine. Are you understanding me? And clean yourself. Are you understanding me? Just like Aisha said, follow the traces of her, the blood. Are we following me? He say, is there any condition on washing each part of the ablution either once, twice, or thrice? If there is enough water, can they be washed once or twice? Even if there is enough water, the Prophet Muhammad wasallam, as Imam al-Bukhari opened chapter on performing ablution one, one time, performing ablution two, two times, performing ablution three, three times. All this Imam al-Bukhari opened a chapter. Dama, even in the Maharaj school of thought, what they say is what is obligatory is washing them one one time. That is what is obligatory. The second and the third are just sunnah. They are not obligatory. So even if there is sufficient water, what is just wanted is al-isti'ab. Anganiko, esbigu al-wudu'a. So that you do the ablution well. You make sure that all places that are supposed to get water, get the water. Water reaches everywhere, every part of the ablution there is water. Just like we read the hadith, waylun lil-aqabi, so once the one one time water touches everywhere, then she can twice or thrice. This person said, What is the difference between wajib and fard? What is the difference between wajib and fard? Sometimes we say it is wajib, sometimes we say it is a fard. Uh, according to the Jamhur al Ulama, wajib and fard mean the same thing. They mean the same thing. Wajib fard means the same thing. Ama Imam Abu Hanifa. Imam Abu Hanifa says, wajib and far, they are not the same. If you go to al-usul, min ilmi al-usul of Sheikh Salih Uthaymin, you, and the, uh, the, the commentary, you see. What Imam Abu Hanifa says is that al-fard is something that has been made obligatory through the Quran and al-ahadis al-mutawatira. Are you understanding me? Things that have been made obligatory either by the Quran are you understanding me? Or al-ahadis, uh, narrations that are mutawatir. Anganiko, narrations that have been reported by many companions. Are you understanding me? Ahadis that have been reported by many companions, if they make things obligatory, then that thing will be fard in the Imam Abi Hanifa. But then he says, things that have been made obligatory through a hadith that are reported by just one or two companions or one or two people from each level of the hadith each level, it says that is what is called a wajib are we following? so what the jamhur say is wajib and fard mean the same thing, wajib and fard means the same thing, obligatory such that if you do not do it, Allah will hold you responsible for it and He can punish you, except if He so chooses to forgive you. Are you understanding me? If they say something is wajib, 
or something is fard, it is obligatory that you do it. If you do not do it, Allah will hold you for it, He will punish you for it, except if He decides to forgive. This is what is a wajib and fard. Somebody say, can one use leaf or plain sheet for purification? If there are no water, have we not addressed that? Somebody say, I snore very much. Please, is it because I don't sleep the Islamic, the way Islam preaches? No, it is not so. It is not because you sleep, you don't sleep the way Islam preaches. It is not so. I we have just told you here. Well, we told you some days ago that even the companions do what? They snore. Not only the companions, even the Prophet Muhammad wasallam snores. If you go to Shema'il Muhammadiyah of At-Tirmizi, he gives you hadith that the Prophet snores. So the Prophet snores. <laughs> and um, uh, I was leading some years back, I was reading uh, Weekly Trust, and they op- there was a column on the health benefits of snoring, <laughs> scientifically. Are you understanding me? So it is not because you sleep... Uh, Un-Islamically, that is why it's not. I, I told you the hadith of Anas ibn Malik, that when the Prophet said, Makanakum, he's coming. Some of them, you know, they slept. And he said, Atta inni la asma li ahadihim gafitan. Najim was they were snoring. So the companions snore, the Prophet snores. So it is not un-Islamic for people to snore. It's understood. Mm. Sometimes this is the, the way you sleep. Are you understanding me? The nature of how you sleep sometimes. And sometimes it is the nature of the stress you go through sometimes. Are you understanding me? You know the Prophet ﷺ goes through lots of stresses. Delivering the message of Allah. Are you understanding me? It is stressful. And that is why he says, Shayyabatni hudun wa akhwatuha. So the Prophet at a very young age, he began to have gray hair. Hang on, you go. Then he said the thing that gave him gray hair was the Quran. إِنَّا عَرَضْنَا الْعَمَانَةِ عَلَى السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ so, وَالْجِبَالِ فَأَبَيْنَا أَنْ يَحْمِلْنَهَا فَأَشْفَقْنَا مِنْهَا عَمَالَ أَهْلِ الْإِنسَانِ So that amana is a great one. The amana that was placed on the rocks. The amana that was given to the, the, the heavens and the earth. They couldn't take it. Are you understanding me? So the amana of the Quran, who can take it? Are you understanding me? He said, describe how to use stone for purification. How do you use stone to... Must, must it be described? This person said, what is the reason behind not using bones and dunks for purification? The Prophet has told us the reason. In the hadith of Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, the Prophet said, your brothers, the jinn, they came to me and and they asked me for provisions and I prayed for them that they will not find any bone except that they find meat on it. So it is the meat, it is the food for your brothers, the jinn. Are you following me? They are, I can see you are looking. <laughs> so outrageous. Are you understanding me? No, that's what the Prophet said. The Prophet said, these bones that you see, you throw away. Are you understanding me? Your brothers, your fellow creators, are you understanding me? The gene, it is what they feed on. Are you, are you understanding me? There is no 
religion. That guards the rights or preserves the rights of others. Like the religion of Islam. So that you preserve the lives of fellow creatures. The Prophet tells you not to use bones. Have you understand me? Because the jinn feed on the bones. You understand? That is why the Prophet, that is the hikmah. And he said, the dogs are the alaf. They are the alaf for their livestock. You know the livestock? This is, uh, you take, uh, take them to graze, go. When you have cows, you take them to graze. On what? On fresh grasses, go. Huh? To sukumaga anasu. Their livestock take these dongs. Are we following? This is what the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam said. Allah sallam with that you. The time has. He said, "What can make a woman to perform gusplu janaba apart from intercourse? Oh, apart from intercourse, another thing that can make a woman to take the ritual bath is wet dream." Are you understanding me? When you have wet dream, we have said it here, that somebody sleeps and he marries two or three times in the sleep. Are you understanding me? So, if something, if you have a discharge, you emit some secretions, and the secretion is a sperm, then you must take a judicial bath, man or woman. We narrated the hadith of Ummu. Sulaim, ko Ummu Sulaim, the mother of Anas ibn Malik. When she went to the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and she opened the floor, she said, "Ya Rasulullah, Inna Allah la yastahi min al-haq, fahal ala al-mar'a min guslin idha hiya htalamat." فقال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم نعم إذا رأت الماء. You know, she said, Allah Taala does not shy away from the throat. Because the woman, she can be very loquacious if she's in the room. She can talk with it. Among them, what? So, Amma, when they come where they are not supposed to be shy, where they are discussing intellectualism, when you are discussing knowledge, she can't ask. So that they don't say she is wayward or something like that. Are you understanding me? And this is something that has to do with your religion. That is why Umm Sulaim, she went to the Prophet and said, Allah is not shy of the truth. Should a woman take the ritual bath, if she has a wet dream, if she dreams of the opposite sex, are you understanding me? Then the Prophet said, Naam is a ra'atil ma. He said, yes, if she sees water. What is the meaning of water? Huh? Menene? Discharge. What, what is discharge? Be, be practical. If you say discharge, discharge can be mazi. It can be prostatic fluid, which is mazi. And mazi cannot lead you to do what? To take in the ritual bath. So it is sperm. I understand me. So the Prophet said, if you see sperm after having the wet dream, then you should take the ritual bath. Are we following? So it means that if you don't see sperm after you have had a dream of the opposite sex, you don't have to take uh, the ritual bath. If you don't see 
water. It's understood. That is unlike, it is contrary to physical intercourse. Are you understanding me? If you have physical intercourse with the opposite sex, whether or not there is a discharge, you must take the ritual bath. You must take the ritual bath. Whether there is discharge or not. Because sometimes people used to think that after they have sexual affair, they feel that if there is no discharge, if there is no sperm, there should be no ritual bath. Are you understanding me? That is not so. Initially, the Prophet ﷺ in the hadith of Abu Sa'id and Al-Khudri said, إِنَّمَا الْمَاءُ مِنَ الْمَاءُ Initially, you don't take the ritual bath unless you release sperm, if you, or you discharge sperm if you have an affair with the opposite sex. But later, the Prophet abrogated that ruling. From the hadith of Aisha radiallahu anha, that the Prophet said, that if two circumcised organs meet and the glance of the manhood penetrates the farj of the woman this hadith is mutafakun alayhi and in the riwayah of Muslim he says even if there is no discharge and the hadith of Abu Huraira says إِذَا جَلَسَ بَيْنَ الشُّعَبِهَا الْأَرْبَى ثُمَّ جَهَادَهَا فَقَدْ وَجَبَ الْقُسْمِ Once a man lies between the four organs of the woman and he compresses her he penetrates her then the Prophet said ritual bath becomes obligatory even if there is no discharge from both the man and the woman they are both to take the ritual bath. Are we following me? And the woman will also take the ritual bath from menses. If she menstruates, at the end of the menses, she will do what? She will take the ritual bath. Because all ritual baths in Islam are the same. It is only the niya that will vary. But the way you t- take the ritual bath from Janaba, that is how you do it from Hyde, menses. That is how you also do it from Nefas. That is how you also do it if you are a, a, a kafirah. You are a non believer, you are not a Muslim, then you come into the fold of uh, Islam, man or woman, they tell you go and take the ritual bath, are you understanding me? Then you, you bath the same, it's understood, and uh, what is obligatory in all this bath, don't say, uh, you should teach him how to take the ritual bath, go back about, are you don't follow into the toilet, oh? to say, to, to be, say, I'm a monka, I'm a giant junior, but you don't do that, so all you tell him, don't just your intention is you have become a Muslim and you want to bath to purify yourself as a Muslim. So after you enter into the toilet, you pick, make that intention in your heart, pour water from your head. Are you understanding me? To your toe, let every part of your body get water. She can now come out and start to pray. Are you following me? That is the ritual bath you have taken it. Are you understanding me? Later. As he comes into Islam, he understands better, you begin to teach him, are you understanding me? Then you teach him the comprehensive way that the Prophet ﷺ does the ritual bath. Are you understanding me? And even if you know the comprehensive way, which we will later come to read, it is not obligatory for you to do that. Because sometimes the Prophet will take the ritual bath without, what he only does is to take the intention and then pour water all over his body. 
Anganiko, and she can come out and go and pray. So what is obligatory is the intention and ta'amimul jasad bilma. The intention and then making water, letting water touch every part of the body. That is what is wanted. All other things are sunnah. They are just recommended. Are we following me? If you don't know how to do them, they are not obligatory. We will come to do to that during our discussion on ritual bath, inshallah. Is the niqab compulsory or voluntary? This is a very big question. It's a very big uh, question. And uh, there is Kitab al-Libas in this book. I am not sending me. But what majority of the scholars are of the, are of the opinion is niqab is not what? Obligatory. They said the, the face and the, is it? The what? The hand. They are, they are not obligatory for you to cover. This is majority of the scholars, this is what they say. But the Hanabila, that's the Hanabila, they have the opinion that niqab, that the whole body of the woman is an aura and that she should cover them. Are you understanding me? Uh, I am of the opinion that I go with the ahadith, the scholars that say it is not obligatory. Except that in this context, in this, in the way we are today, it is better for women to be fully covered and for them to wear the niqab. It is better. But not that it is a obligatory. It is better. Are you understanding me? The reason is the hadith of Abdullah ibn Abbas. That when the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu after having completed the rites of Hajj, a woman came to the Prophet to ask questions with regards to her religion. While Fadlu ibn Abbas was behind the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu and Fadlu ibn Abbas was describing the beauty of the face of the woman. So much so that he was enticed and he was tearing and glaring. And the Prophet was turning his face away from the woman. The Prophet will turn it and he, he will come back. Are you understanding me? Are you understanding me? To show you that, and then the Prophet said, رَأَيْتُ الشَّابَّ وَالشَّابَّةَ وَخِفْتُ الشَّيْطَانَ عَلَيْهِمَا This hadith was supported by Bukhara Muslim. That I saw a young lady and a young man, فَخِفْتُ الشَّيْطَانَ عَلَيْهِمَا so one this shows that her face was what? Was opened. Are you understanding me? And you go to the Quran. When Allah says, Walakad Alimna Mustafirin. What is the essence of that narration? Do we know? I said do we know why Allah Ta'ala narrated brought that ayah? Lakada alimna mustaqdimina minkum wal mustaqirin. You know, the companions are human beings. Or are they not? They are human beings. So there used to be a beautiful lady. Very beautiful. She comes to the mosque. She stays in the front row there. And some companions would delay in coming to the mosque. Are you not sending me? And they will stay at the back of the road there. And then when they are doing the ruhu, they are watching from behind. And Allah Ta'ala says, we really know 
لقد علمنا المستقدمين منكم والمستاخرين We know those who come very early, so that they mean, and we also know those who come late to stay behind. We follow. So this shows that even covering the face in prayer is also not uh, obligatory. Unlike what the Hanabila will say, that if there are Ajnabi, it is obligatory for her to cover her face even in prayer. Are you understanding me? So why not there are very long arguments? But Gaskia Nusus show that Gaskia it, it, it may not be obligatory. Are you understanding me? So to say. But then because of the fitna that we face today. Are you understanding me? For a woman to protect our faith. And for you to also protect your faith. Especially in this campus. Are you understanding me? We are grown-up men and women. Are you understanding me? Living in a very free world. Going to the classes in the darkness of the night. Holding discussions in the darkness of the darkest of areas. Are you understanding me? Ko Amir Nida Amira. If they are to go in the darkness of the night at a dark corner. And they say they are organizing tutorials. Are you question that tutorial? So in this contemporary society, like say that Aisha said, if the Prophet had lived long to see the introductions, the innovations that women have brought, the Prophet would have even stopped them from going to the mosques. Sometimes you come to the mosque, you'll be hearing you know, are you hearing bangles and everything as they are going to sujud and going to ruku? When they do, kuma Quran ayat wala yadribna bi arjulihinna liyulama ma yufina min zinatihin. Ama wana deliberate, they'll be doing it. She's going to the class, are you understanding me? With high heels. The moment she's coming, all eyes are on her. So, in this context, every responsible man, will, 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 will admonish women, are you understanding me? To cover, the, especially the beautiful ones. Are you understanding me? Then fitna. Then Quran says, كُلِّ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ يَغُدُّهُ مِنْ أَبْصَارِهِمْ وَكُلِّ الْمُؤْمِنَاتِ يَغْدُدْنَا مِنْ أَبْصَارِهِنَّ uh, ABU Zaria I was at ABU Zaria some for their jihad week or the, is it their jihad week they, had, they, called, they called me and the, a brother was asking he said Malam, I want to ask hmm? These women in the car, they don't allow us to see their faces, but they are always glaring at us in the class. They will hide and they will be see, looking at us. Ah, so how did you know they were looking? <laughs> if you were not looking. I said to her sister, stop glaring. Since they said you should, you should preserve yourself. Okay, kuma. Thank you so much. You see, of the 45 questions that we have, we have uh, answered 10. 
Are you understanding me? Next time when we come, what will happen is we will read the hadith. Anytime that remains, we will use to answer some of the questions and we'll ask. We go along, inshallah. Wa sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Wa alaykum.